Amen, amen. Well, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, as we continue to make our way through the book of 1 John. We've been uh, talking about, uh, uh, in 1 John, the evidence of salvation, all of the different by this we know statements that we find in the book of 1 John. And so uh, all of this is based off of uh, that uh, key verse in uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Anybody have it for us this morning? Oh, come on now. We've been working on this for a few weeks. Those Oana kids would have it. Amen. So, uh, so, so uh, we, we need to uh, hide God's Word in our heart that we might not sin against Him. Amen. So uh, I write these things unto those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. Hide that Scripture within your heart. It's a good Scripture to memorize, and so it's a good witnessing tool as well uh, when you uh, encounter individuals who say, well, I'm not sure whether or not you can even know whether or not you have eternal life. And absolutely you can because the Word of God makes that abundantly clear. Amen. So this morning what we're going to talk about, the evidence that we're going to talk about is we're reminded that these are the evidences of salvation and not the means of salvation. The means of salvation is I write these things unto those who believe on the name of the Son of God so that they may know they have eternal life. So belief in Jesus, faith in Jesus is what saves us. But once we're saved, then we're going to have uh, within us those evidences that are going to be shown and demonstrated within us, those evidences that we are truly saved, that we are truly born again. You know, if you start dieting, and uh, as you begin to start dieting, you should have some evidence that you're dieting uh, by losing weight, right? And so uh, sometimes I get stuck in a rut a little bit, and it's a little bit frustrating, but then eventually you'll start uh, 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 showing that. And so as I've been told as you exercise and as you, you know, pump iron and, and uh, lift weights and things like that, you ought to start having some evidences that you're building muscles, right? If you're a runner or something like that, you don't just start off running a marathon, but you, you know, you work your way up to that and you eventually get to that uh, marathon level of running and you get a little faster and a little faster and a little faster as you exercise yourself. Well, the Bible also tells us to exercise ourselves for the purpose of godliness and so our discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness which is really the same word right there as we begin to think about that and so as we do that as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ the more evident that these things are going to be but simply as Christians and even newborn uh, believers in Jesus Christ we ought to have these evidences within our life we ought to have these things that show up within our life and so what we're going to be talking about this morning is the evidence of being, the evidence rather, of being a listener, right? Being a listener. Now, I'm not talking about being the type of listener as husbands listen to their wives, amen? I'm not talking about that type of listener, amen? Might just got somebody in trouble, maybe a few elbows or something like that. But, uh, you know, when we think about that, we're going to really be a listener. And, you know, uh, not, not, not being a listener like teenagers listen to their parents, right? Or something like that. We're going to be a real listener. We're 
We're going to actually listen. And who are we going to listen to? And so that is the key right there. Who are you listening to? So who you're listening to is phenomenally important because we've got all kinds of voices telling us all kinds of things, but we need to be listening to the right voice. We need to be listening to the right one. So as we look at here in First John chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says right here, it says, We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, and he who is not from God does not listen to us. But this, by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, by this, we know the spirit of truth, and by this, we know the spirit of error, and it is by the one in whom we are listening to. And so as we look at this and begin to uh, take an understanding of this, John said something interesting here in uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 6. He says, we are from God. We are from God. And then he goes on to say, he who knows God listens to us. And so, and as he's talking about in the plural form right there, remember 1 John chapter 5 and verse uh, 13, I write these things unto those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that they may know that they have eternal life. So he says, I'm writing the, uh, uh, these things. But now he's saying, uh, we are from God and, and those who are of God, those who are from God, uh, those who are born of God is what he's saying, those who are saved, those who are truly born again believers in Jesus Christ, listen to us and so now we need to ask ourselves the question, who is this plurality that he's talking about, right? He says, we're from God, and if you're from God, you're going to listen to us. So what is this plurality that he's talking about? Who, who is the we he's talking about? Who is the us that he's talking about? Well, let's first of all look at John. Who is John? John is the apostle John, right? He is an apostle of God, and as we recognize the fact that he is an apostle of God, as an apostle of God, he has authority. He has authority from God. Now, uh, a while back I talked about apostleship and you know, I talked about how uh, the fact that we can uh, consider our missionaries uh, as ones that are being sent out and in that form of being sent out, uh, they, are, they can be considered as apostles because they're being sent out. But there was an original 12 group of apostles and they had a calling to be the witnesses of the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They had to been with Jesus and through His ministry up on this earth. And that twelve, that group of twelve, they had a special authority. They had a special calling. And people today, they'll call themselves apostles and say that they're working in apostolic authority. But if they're walking in apostolic authority, we're going to have to look at their birth certificate and see whether or not they're 2,000 years old because they would have had to walk with Jesus on this earth if they really do have that apostolic authority but these twelve, they did have that apostolic authority. And so as we begin to look at this, who is the we he's talking about? Who is the us? They were the apostles. And so when we begin to recognize this, when we begin to understand this, we look in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, here we find the apostle Peter, the apostle of God, the apostle Peter who preached for the very first time the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as the apostle Peter, 
Peter preached the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says they came to him that day, said, Brethren, what shall we do? He told them that they need to repent, they need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so the Bible says about 3,000 souls that day were baptized and they were added to their number. And so as they were added to their number, they congregated together and they became the church. They were the very first church. Now there was individuals from all over the place there. It wasn't just people from Jerusalem, but there were people from many other nations as well. And so the others, they went back to their own nations and they started churches in their own nation. But that church right there in Jerusalem, they gathered together and in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it tells us exactly what they were doing. And one of the things that they were doing, the Bible says right there in Acts 2.42, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Well, what were they teaching? We know what the apostle Peter was teaching because he preached out of the book of Joel. He preached uh, uh, about King David as well. And so when we look at this, we we see uh, what were the apostles teaching? Well, they were teaching the Old Testament. Amen. They were teaching the Old Testament. When Jesus was with his apostles, Jesus, after his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he spent 40 days with his apostles. And what did he do? He opened their eyes to the Scripture. Well, what Scripture were those? Uh, what was it uh, that he was talking about? That the Bible's talking about? It's obviously the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. Amen. So he opened their eyes to those Old Testament Scriptures of all of the things that it pertained to Jesus Christ. And so when we look at this, we find here that God used the apostles to proclaim the Old Testament, but we also find here that God used the apostles to write the New Testament. Amen? Again, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, I write these things unto those who believe. And so what is it that he wrote? He wrote the book of 1 John. And so when we understand this, every single book of the New Testament, 100% of the books of the New Testament were written either directly directly by an apostle or somebody like the book of Mark that was directly associated with Peter. So you can almost call uh, the, book of, uh, the book of Mark the gospel of Peter because he got it directly from Peter. Amen? And so when we look at that and we begin to understand 100% of the New Testament was either directly from an apostle or somebody directly associated with an apostle just like Luke. And so when we understand that and we recognize that, here it is, that's who he's talking about. He's talking about the, uh, the apostles. And so what we have now is the writing of the, the entirety of what God had given to them. And that is the Word of God. Amen. It is the Word of God. It is the B-I-B-L-E and yes, that is the book for me. And so as we look at that that it's the Word of God we can then take what the Apostle John is saying right here. He said we are uh, from God and he who knows God listens to us. And so when we look at that and say well how are we going to listen to the Apostles today? Through the Word of God. Through the Bible. Through both the Old Testament and through the New Testament, we have the scriptures that are written down, but what does the one who is from God do? He listens. He listens. Amen? He listens. 
And so as we understand that that is the, 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 the task of the believer, is that we're to listen, and who are we ultimately, ultimately to listen to? We're ultimately to listen to, to God. It was God that gave the apostles the authority to write the New Testament. It was God that gave the prophets the authority to write the Old Testament. He was the one that gave them the inspiration. All Scripture is inspired by God, of According to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, that literally means God breathed, that God breathed out His Word. And so when we listen, we're not listening to John, we're not listening to Peter, we're not listening to Moses, we're listening to God. Amen? And when I preach the Word of God, or any other pastor, any other preacher, evangelist, whoever they are, preaches the Word of God, they're not preaching their words, they're preaching, thus saith the Lord God. And we need to listen. We need to take heed. And the child of God, he says right here, the one who is from God, he is going to listen. Amen? He's going to listen. He's going, he or she is going to listen. They're going to take heed to the Word of God. Now, as the Apostle John begins this text of Scripture there in chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether or not they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so when we begin to understand this, we begin to recognize that. He said, don't believe every spirit. And you know, when we look around the world today, there's a lot of deception. I talked about that a few weeks ago. But there's a lot of deception in the world in which we live in today. There's a phenomenal amount of deception in this wicked world that we live in. And so as we begin to think about that, he says, do not believe every spirit. And we need to recognize something that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual war. And as we recognize that, we don't believe every spirit because those lies that are being told, what are they? They're spiritual. They're spiritual. You know, you look at things today, things that are going on today, and you think to yourself, how can people be so foolish? How can people be so foolish as to fall for some of the things that they're falling for and believe some of the things that they're believing in and get tricked and deceived into, you know, you know, doing some of the, how can people be so foolish as to fall, a, fall for a Jim Jones? Or how can people be so foolish as to fall for a David Koresh? And how can people be so foolish as to go for some of the things that they're going for today? You know, just this past week I heard about an elementary school that took a field trip, then it's nothing unusual for an elementary school to take a field trip, but this particular elementary school, for some reason, and there were several people in the process that, that had to agree upon this field trip that this is where they're going to go. The teacher doesn't just decide for themselves. There's a lot of people that's in the process of okaying and approving this field trip, but this particular elementary school decided that it was a good idea that they were going to take elementary students to a gay bar. Who in the world? I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. I don't care how you was brought up. Who in the world would ever think that is a good idea? Not even a straight bar. It doesn't matter. Who in the world would have ever thought that that was a good idea? Well, friends, these things are spiritual. It's spiritual. That means it doesn't have to make sense because there's a spirit behind it that is lying and tricking and deceiving and conniving. 
So we have to ask ourselves, well, what spirit are we listening to? We better be listening to the Holy Spirit and everything the Holy Spirit's going to be lined up with the Word of God. Amen? And so when we begin to recognize that and begin to understand that there's a great, great spiritual movement, and then when I say spiritual, I'm not meaning that in a good way, but there's a great, great spiritual movement within churches today to just kind of take the Word of God and toss it to the side. And I've even heard worship leaders say, oh, well, there's not going to be any preaching in heaven so we're just going to start practicing that today and all we're just, going to, we're just going to come and have a pep rally in the name of Jesus. Well, no, there's not going to be any preaching in heaven, but today the Bible says it's by the, by, by, by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. Amen? Yeah, that's spiritual, all right, but it's not of the Holy Spirit, I can promise you that. Amen? Because it certainly does not line up with the truth of the Word of God. Now, we need to worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Isn't that what Jesus told the woman at the well? And so when we look at this, we recognize this. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. And so then we ask ourselves a question, well, how in the world are we going to test the spirit? How are we going to know whether or not that spirit is from God? Right here. Amen? Right here. If it's not in the Word of God, then friends, I want you to understand that we have no business following it. We have no business pursuing it. If the Bible tells us to abstain from those things, then friends, we better absolutely abstain from those things. If the Bible tells us to pursue those things, then we better absolutely pursue those things because if we're truly from God, we're going to listen to God. Not traditions, not man-made ways, not man-made thoughts. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and to Apollos for your sake, so that in us you may not learn to exceed what is written. He said, don't go beyond what's written. If you do, he said, arrogance is going to rise up in you. Amen? And if you do, that's not of God. That's not of His Spirit. Oh, it's spiritual. And so when you're looking at those things, but how in the world the people get caught up in this? It's spiritual. It's a spirit. How can people be so foolish? It's spiritual. So believe not every spirit, but put them to the test. And we put them to the test through the Word of God. I want you to understand something as he's talking about. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and we have many false prophets today. And you know those false prophets, some of those false prophets are, are it, it's extraordinarily clear that they're false prophets. And some of those false prophets, it's not quite so clear. We need to do a little bit of re, uh, research and investigation and finding out who they are and, 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 and what they teach and what they really do uh, believe. But when we begin to talk about false prophets and something that we need to understand false prophets is not somebody that you're in disagreement with on something that's not a fundamental issue. Amen? 
I'm very firm on the, uh, on the fact that the, uh, well, I called it a fact. I believe it's a fact. I'm very firm on, on uh, what I believe is going to be a pre-tribulation rapture. In other words, I believe that the rapture is going to take place right before the tribulation, and then right after the rapture takes place, then the tribulation is going to take place. Now, there's a lot of other people, uh, and, and in fact, a growing amount of people that believe that the tribulation is going to take place at the midpoint, uh, the rapture, rather, is going to take place at the midpoint of the tribulation. And you know what? Uh, I'm, they're not false prophets. We're just in disagreement. Amen? They just so happen to be wrong, and I believe I'm right, but that's okay. I love them. They're still brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. I love them. Amen? They're not false prophets. There's some that don't even believe there's going to be a rapture. Now, I don't understand that one, but there are some out there that don't even believe there's going to be a rapture. And that's okay. We could talk about those things in a Christ-like manner and have, have godly conversations over those things, but they're not fundamentals. It's not going to make a difference whether or not you go to heaven or hell, whether or not you're a born-again believer or not. You start disagreeing on the person of Jesus Christ. You start disagreeing on the means of salvation. You start disagreeing on those fundamental things. And friends, we have a problem. <laughs> those are false prophets. Amen? And so when we understand that and begin to look at that, he goes on in verse 2 of chapter 4. He says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. A scripture we looked at last week, John, uh, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. He uh, says right here, and he himself is uh, uh, sorry first uh, john chapter 3 in verse 2 he says beloved now we are children of god and it has not yet appeared what we will be but when we know uh we know that when he appears we will be like him because we see him just as he is and so when we look at that scripture right there what's that scripture telling us we don't know everything right now. Amen? We don't have it all figured out right now. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that says that, uh, you know, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we're going to see face to face. For now we know in part, but then we'll know fully. Now we prophesy in part, but then... You know, we're going to know all things. When the perfect comes. And some people interpret the perfect as being the New Testament. Now the New Testament is perfect. But do we fully know just as we're fully known today? If you do, answer me this question, when's Jesus coming back? Amen? Well, I don't know. Okay, well then we don't fully know. <laughs> do we? There's a lot of things we don't have figured out yet. There's a lot of things we're not going to have figured out until we get to glory. And when Jesus comes back as one of those things, no one's going to know. But there's going to come a day when we will know. 
But everything He desires for us to know right here, right now, today is found right here in the Word of God. Amen? If God wants us to know it, He's going to, He he has revealed it to us already in His Word, in His Scripture. So when we look at these things, we need to test things and we need to test them in accordance to the Word of God. Now what's interesting here, we find in the Word of God, we find that uh, Timothy was a pastor. And we find that Timothy, as Timothy was a pastor, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, and as the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in regards to false prophets and things like that, things are going to take place. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he said, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Talking about uh, unsaved people, talking about people of the world. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. It's interesting today that we have people that say, well, let's just do away with doctrine. You can't do away with doctrine. Doctrine teaching (laughs) right whenever somebody says we ought to do away with doctrine I ask them I say well what do you believe about Jesus and they tell me what they believe about Jesus and I repeat that back to them I said so that's your doctrine of Jesus Christ Uh, 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 but, but anyway so as we look at this we find right here He says in that day, uh, they're not going to endure sound doctrine, biblical doctrine, what the Word of God says, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. And friends, if we're not living in that day, I don't want to see that day. Amen? They're going to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Now we can blame that on the false preachers and the false teachers if we want to, but the Bible says right here that's what they want. And if that's what they want, that's what they're going to get. Because that's what they're seeking. So we wouldn't have false preachers and false teachers if we didn't have individuals that's seeking out their own desires. Amen? If they're seeking out truth, then they'll get truth. But if they're, they don't like the truth, they're going to seek out their own desires. Well, then Satan's certainly going to rise somebody up to the occasion to give them what they want. Amen? So we continue to look at this and continue to understand. He, 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 tells, he says that day's coming. But then what does he tell him to do? What does he tell the, 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 the uh, Apostle Timothy to do? He tells him to preach the Word. How do you preach the Word in season and out of season? Why do you preach the Word in season and out of season? You preach the Word in season when people are ready for it, when people are desiring it. That ground is tilled up. That ground is ready for that seed to be planted in that good soil. And and, and that that, that field is wide unto harvest. And so that is in season. And he also says to preach it out of season, out of season. And when when people's hearts are hard and that is stony ground and that seed's not going to penetrate, he said preach it anyway amen in season and out of season just like the seed sower he throw he threw some seed in the good soil he threw some seed in the stony soil he threw it everywhere on the road as a farmer he wasn't a very good steward but as a preacher of the word of god he was a good steward because he just threw it everywhere amen everywhere he went he cast that seed But then Paul tells Timothy something else in 2 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20, understanding uh, that that there's going to be people that rise to the occasion that just want to have their ears tickled. And he tells him in 2 Timothy 6, 20, he said, guard what has been entrusted to you. Now let's just stop for just a minute right there. What's been entrusted to Timothy? 
Well, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist who was an evangelist. He was a pastor who was an evangelist, but he told him to do the work of an evangelist. What does an evangelist do? He preaches the gospel. He shares the gospel. So the gospel was entrusted to him. Just got through telling you that Paul told Timothy to preach the Word in season and out of season. The Word of God was entrusted to him, but he was also a pastor. He was a pastor of the church of Ephesus, so the church was entrusted to him. So he had the gospel that was entrusted to him. He had the word of God that was entrusted to him. He had the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that was entrusted to him. And Paul told him to guard it. Guard what's been entrusted to you. Guard it. How do you guard it? To guard it by proclaiming truth. Because Satan's nothing but a liar. And if you let people know the truth, it's the truth that's going to set you free. Amen? The truth is going to set you free. And so when you let people know the truth, they also know what the lie is. And so when Satan comes along with his lies because they know the truth, they're going to know, no, that's a lie. That's not truth. I know it's not truth because I know the truth and that's not it. Friends, it's important for me to preach the truth, but it's also important for you on your own to study the truth. It's important for our Sunday school teachers to teach the truth, but it's also important for you on your own to study the truth. Amen? Because Satan is a liar and he's a good liar. Oh, he's a good liar. How many of you know that for a fact? I do. He's a good liar. But if you know the truth, the truth's going to set you free. But it's interesting here. Okay, Timothy, going to be some that's just going to want to have their ear tickled. But what do you do? You preach the Word in season and out of season. doesn't matter if people want to hear it or not. You stand on the truth. And guard what's been entrusted to you. You know what's interesting? Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus, and as Timothy was the pastor of the church of Ephesus, you know, Jesus had some words to say to the church of Ephesus. He had some bad things to say to them. They left their first love and all of that in Revelation chapter 2. And so, But he also had something good to say to them. He said, some folks came to you claiming to be apostles, but you put them to the test and proved that they weren't. How'd they do that? The Word of God. They had a pastor through the Word of God that entrusted that into them, that, that, that instilled that into them, and planted that into their heart. When it came time for the test, they passed the test. No, those aren't apostles. Let's say if the Lord God. Amen? And so when we recognize that, the role of the pastor is to protect the flock by teaching the truth of the Word of God. Now every one of us is responsible for preaching truth and teaching truth and standing on the truth, but the role of the Christian is to listen to the truth. Listen to it. Again, verse 6. We are from God, and he who knows God listens to us. And what does that amount to? It amounts to the Word of God. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know 
the spirit of truth and error. The one who's from God is going to listen to God's Word. They're going to take heed to it. They're going to hide God's Word in their heart. They're going to live in accordance to it. The one who doesn't could care less about the Word of God. Cast it to the side as no account. The average household in America today has three Bibles. Can we look at America today and say the average household is living in accordance to it? I mean, we fuss about politicians and politics and all that, but somebody's got to vote them in. Amen? They didn't get there on their way. I know there's... Never mind, I'm not going to get into all that. But that's a different sermon. <laughs> Providing everything goes the way it's supposed to, somebody's got to vote them in. Amen? Amen. Apostle James says this, James chapter 1, verse 22, he said, But prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Be a doer of the word. Not just somebody that hears it. Say, yeah, I heard that. Amen, Brother Rusty. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Walk out those doors and you've done forgot all about it. You're deluding yourself. I didn't say that. God said that. James didn't even say that. God said that. You know, I have no doubt in my mind there's a whole lot of people out there in the world today that falsely believe that they're children of God, falsely believe that they're going to heaven, falsely believe that their eternity is set, and they are deluded. They've got a fire insurance policy, and they have no concern of whether or not they live for Jesus. And that's all, they just don't want to go to hell. That's it. No desire, no love, no concern for Jesus, no concern for God or the things of God whatsoever. They've got themselves a little old fire insurance policy. You know, I've got a fire insurance policy. I know I've got one, I can't tell you where it's at. It's in a cabinet in a file somewhere. But I know I have it. Don't ever take it out, look at it. Don't even really ever think about it. <laughs> but I know I have one. Won't mean anything to me unless I have a fire. Amen. Deluded. But then there's a lot of Christians, truly Christian, born again Christians, truly saved. that don't really take God's word serious. And you suffer the consequences of it. Me and a deacon one time, first church I pastored, went and visited this lady. She had an issue. 
is causing some division in the church, causing some problems. Won't get into all of it, but me and the deacon went by to visit with her. As we went by to visit with her, sat on her front porch, sat down at a table. I opened up my Bible and I said, this is what the Word of God says. I turned my Bible around and I shoved it right in front of her. I said, now you read it. I read it, turned it around and said, now you read it. You know what she did? She shut my Bible, turned it back towards me, shoved it back towards me. And this is what she said, word for word. I'll never forget it. I know what the Bible says. And I don't care. I said, ma'am, we have nothing further to discuss. Can't get any further than that with you. I love you in the Lord, but have nothing else to talk about. We got up and left. Now later she repented. She got right. I praise the Lord for it. We became really close after that. I preached her funeral. Now she's bold enough to say it. How many out here today may not be bold enough to say it or listening on Facebook may not be bold enough to say it. Oh, but that's how you live it. I know what the Word of God says. I just don't care. As the praise team makes their way up this direction this morning. Friend, are you saved? I mean, really. We're not playing games here. There's nothing to play games about. Are you truly a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? If you are, there ought to be something, rather someone, within you putting a care. And that's my word. That's my ways. And if you're truly my child, you better get after it. And by the way, he's not going to leave you alone until you do. Amen. Amen. Would you all stand this morning? Is that true? Is that you today? If not, are you really saved? Are you genuinely saved? You have no care, you have no desire. Oh, I'll come to church. I might even read my Bible. Might could quote a verse or two. Maybe you've been coming all your life, but when it comes to putting your feet to the ground, you really care less whether or not you're living for Jesus or not. When it comes to the nuts and bolts of life, you really don't care whether or not you're living for Jesus. I would say, friends, there's probably a very good possibility that you're not saved. 
Now, if God is drawing you, if God's convicting you, if God's presence is there saying, you know that's not right, that's evidence you are saved. Amen? But if you're here this morning and you say, that's not there, God's not there. I'm doing my own thing, my own way. Been doing my own thing, my own way. This morning, I want to stop. I want to repent. I want to turn to Jesus and trust in Jesus for eternal salvation this morning. Would you come? Right now, would you come? Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you know that you're a Christian. God's been tugging at your heart. Well, why don't you just surrender to Him today? You could let us know or just let God know and nobody else. And that's perfectly fine. But just let go. Stop fighting God. That's a battle you're going to lose, by the way. So you might as well stop now and save yourself a lot of misery. Amen? You come today. Give your life to Jesus. You don't know what to do? Come on down here. I'll, I'll show you what you need to do. You come. It's God's Second lead. Corinthians 5.15 says, Those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them. Lord Jesus, I will say.